And three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to another edition of A Humanistic Perspective. And I'm extremely excited to be back with season two of the podcast. And one of my first guests that I had to have on, someone that I've come to know and love dearly, someone who actually came into my life in a more recent setting um, when I took the job five months ago at the dispensary. I have sitting across from me today, Tim Carney. Tim, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, thank you for being on. And uh, I wanted to go back and I start every episode with going through my guest's life story. So if you're comfortable, I'd like to take it back to like as as far back as you recall. Okay. And let's uh, sort of see yeah. where that takes the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, growing up as a kid, um, only child, mom and dad, uh, mom finished... From what I remember her saying, finished seventh grade. Uh, that wow. was her level of education. I did. Uh, he was done after three years of high school. Um, mm. Just circumstances had to start working for the family and help support. Um, mm. And so I watched them um, you know, work really, really hard mm. my entire life. Um, That's amazing. I grew up in a. Uh, I grew up in. You know, a very diverse uh, apartment. We were the only white family in the apartment um, wow. in the building, which was it was great. Um, you know, I had so many so many friends, uh, like children in the area. But it allowed me, as I grew up, to not only have one one mindset of an upbringing. It, mm. it allowed me to kind of get a glimpse of of other cultures and understand, mm. uh, you know, customs and things like that. So. I think for me, you know, looking at it now was a blessing, um, mm. but going through it, you know, it was, it was difficult to watch my parents struggle and, um, you know, to have paper thin walls, to have to mm. pick a day to go do laundry somewhere and, and things sure. like that, you know, but, um, you know, it, it, it prioritized for me what was, was actually important in life and that was mm. um, not money. It wasn't uh, material items. It yes. was those around you. It was, you know, trying to, um, you know, be a contributing part of whatever community you're a part of, whether mm-hmm. it was that community of, like, that small apartment building I grew up in, the community of, you know, the town I grew up whatever it is. Like, mm. you know, taking, seeing how hard my parents worked, not getting much back from it, mm. but still seeing that work ethic and the level of drive that they have because they're doing it for you guys you know what i mean absolutely and uh you know that's something too now as a parent that i I totally understand is Mm. um you know trying to provide the best for me and they did are your parents still around today no i actually i I lost my mom about 10 years ago and i lost Mm, my dad thank you and i lost my dad eight years ago so um yeah that was that was very very difficult um but i think what I've tried to do is almost like a tribute to them. You know, sure. For those who didn't get a chance to meet them, I'm mm. trying to live my life the way that they instilled in me and, and treating people with kindness, mm-hmm. working hard, um, you know, thinking for yourself, helping others, just always being kind of a part of, of a community. Um, and that was I the beauty to... about their generation, too. Yeah, absolutely. Is they had such integrity and character, and they lived with what I like to call like grandma's rules, right? Like, 100%. Just basic principles that will better your life. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And um, I think, you know, I think like I was saying, I, I just try to live my life the way that they, they taught me so mm -hmm. that for those who didn't get a chance to meet them, maybe they get a little glimpse of, of the type of people that they were. That's you know, beautiful. And I try to instill that in my daughter. Mm. Um, I try to I try to share that with, with anyone, mm. you know, um, because, again, we were, were brought up most, or brought up with that one perspective of, of how life goes. Right. And really, it's it's all about, you know, sharing as many moments with as many people to get a better understanding of what's taking place so that when you find yourself in situations, you're more understanding, you're more patient, you're more mm. supportive, you're more encouraging, rather than maybe ignorant to the subject and pushing yourself back, pushing away, stepping away, going, I don't necessarily want to be a part of this. You know? Right. Um, but I think, you know, from from the the, the upbringing I had, um, that, that prioritized real quick for me what was important and what wasn't. Um, you know, the material I wanted to ask doesn't, is, doesn't matter to me. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Like when you can, I believe, build that relationship. Like the way I build that relationship with money. First off, I had a similar upbringing to you. It was, um, you know, foreclosed on two different homes, bouncing, you know, rent, and not that robbing Peter to pay, robbing Peter to pay Paul mentality of. I'll do these bills now, and if I skip these ones, well, the fee's not too bad, or I can pay them back later, and I know they won't come after us or call us. And that whole, you know, fiscally not well off, but willing to work hard and like works double jobs and has kids and is trying to provide the best life for them and to make them feel like they don't necessarily have that experience. But then also, like, you know, the, the water gets shut off or the heat gets shut off. I mean, he's very visceral experiences that change and shape your younger and formative years and that cultural integration you were talking about i think that's the beauty of this country is like that melting pot experience that you hear about like literally my my father's colombian my mother's german polish irish like there's not many other places around the world where i mean in other formative countries like you know the uk and other european union nations and such there is that integration but if you go to a lot of places like, let's say, Russia, China, and that, a lot of that you don't really see. Exactly. And, and so that's something that's beautiful about the country that we live in because we have that and we also have freedom yeah. and individualism. Exactly. Which is really cool. And I wanted to go back to the apartment complex. Mm -hmm. Do you have any stories or experiences or memories you have with other kids or passing by experiences with neighbors or something that you could pull on to maybe, you know, um, describe or depict a little bit of that cultural yeah, experience. Yeah, so I mean, I was remembering it was, it was cool. I, I had kind of our crew of, of friends. Uh, you know, I, I had a, it was myself, my my cousin actually lived in the neighborhood too. That's um, beautiful. I had uh, three brothers. Okay. Um, who was played, this the gang? This was the gang. This is the crew. Yeah, we played football uh, during the summers. Played baseball, but are you guys playing tackle? No, obviously not. Tackle. Okay. Not yet. Not when the dads were quarterbacking. Because they would usually quarterback for us. Because oh, none of us had sick. none of us had arms. So we physically we had them, but yeah, how would we catch if we did? Yeah, come on. Anyways, so yeah. Anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, like I grew up. Man, it was me. I had two friends, uh, two brothers who were Cuban. I had three uh, friends who were brothers who were black. Um, I had just just everybody. It seemed like from every part of the globe um, grew up in that area. So it was mm -hmm. really cool. It was, and two, it seemed like a, a, a mini America within America. Mm -hmm. Because it was just like that small sample size 
of that melting pot that you're talking about. You know, there, one day I'm going over to, you know, my friend's uh, house and, and they're showing me Mafungo, which I have no clue what that is when I'm, you know, nine years old. Could you, I, I have no clue what that it's is. It's a right wonderful now. Cuban dish. It's, mm. yeah, fried plantains and fried meat. Oh, hell yeah. Plantains. yeah. Yeah, like platano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, like one day there and then, you know, the next I'm, I'm over at maybe a family gathering where there's, you know, a, a custom in, the, in their tradition that I'm learning mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one friend who he would come spe- uh, celebrate Christmas Eve with us, and I would go celebrate a night of Hanukkah with him. Oh, to, cool. Just to get that perspective, that understanding. Which w- I, what was your thought on Hanukkah at that time? Very confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, because Is that because you're only there for one day of it? Or? <laughs> he must have not gotten a great guest that night. No. Right, yeah. Um, but to me, it was confusing in the sense that I don't think they knew a whole lot about it. Like, mm. you know how there are the people who go to church on Christmas and Easter and no other time than that? Yes. There's a, I had a, I had a Jewish friend. He, there was a name for it. It's sort of like the, the, Ju- the Jewish people who are still practicing the traditional rules, mm-hmm. but living in like a more Western cultural, you Pro- more know, progressive, progressive yeah, society. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um, they, the the candle was lit, um, a lot of prayer at that moment, but then dinner time, it would get very somber, but then celebratory right after that. So mm. at the age for me, it was confusing, but I'm very glad that I was exposed to it because it then made me, as I went through school and, and you know, just picked up little things took a religion class here took a you know a humanities class here and there you start to put the pieces together and it maybe you don't understand but you're you're patient now with a group of people and you're no longer ignorant to them you're willing to go oh that's you know because of this reason and maybe you educate yourself further mm-hmm. um, to learn those customs but i think my upbringing sparked me to just random wanting to look into things because again we were curious yeah i was curious because i would go home and it was yeah we're having you know white bread sandwiches with Mm -hmm. a glass of milk and you know this is how we do it yeah so getting out actually was it was nice exactly it was very nice yeah yeah. it was great and and what was cool too is, is most of the 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 parents in the neighborhood too were like Either aunts to me, or mm. you know, like second mothers, or another dad. Or it was very like open. It was very open. It was just, it was a, it was a great upbringing. I didn't have much, you know, mm. as far as money, as far as toys and things like that. But what were you like in school? What oh. was your personality like? Paint me that picture. Yeah, so I, I was shy definitely in elementary school. I was you know, super tiny. Um, not that I blew up, but. Super tiny, um, got heavy around the uh, that puberty time, and mm-hmm. was made fun of quite a bit. I think that's where mm-hmm. I had to get real clever with words. And, yes, uh, and, and, and I defend. had that experience. Yeah, I had to defend myself because most of the most of the guys were much bigger than I was, mm-hmm. and uh, I almost had to just out with them rather than uh, you know because too physically I don't I don't see myself as a violent person. I don't want to be a violent person or mm-hmm. anything like that. So. If we can resolve it with words, let's let's go for that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but if I agree with you, yes, but I, I don't know. I think I think I can get pretty good at beating people up with words if I need to. Sure. But that that got me to I think my sense of humor. 
Mm-hmm. Um, cause I was bullied quite a bit, but I also tried to beat them to the punch. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I would look the defense for the, mechanism yeah, I would look for the comedy in the situations you know, right? before they found it. Yeah. And I would call it out so that, and these are like, that's the tactics you use to get and, through. And like, I would have done yeah. the exact same thing. I did do the same thing yeah. because I was a big guy right. too. Yeah. And so like, I would. See, I was either one of two ways. Like, I would never let someone be bullied by other people, but if someone tried to bully me, I would go the comedic route. Totally. Yes. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I'll speak up on anyone's behalf. Yes. Yet, if someone's coming at me with knives and stuff like that, I'm running with my arms and screaming and all that, you know, or I'm just trying to outwit them. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that was, you know, I, 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 I just figured if I could beat them to the punch, then whatever they say, mm-hmm. it isn't as funny. Or mm. I already said it, so it just doesn't have that same effect. You know, it's I mean? not coarse anymore. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, you know, so that was obviously junior high, early high school. Mm-hmm. I I struggled with my weight my entire life. Now mm. I'm very, I'm at probably at my lowest I've been in God knows how long. But I dude, once, congrats! I once weighed two hundred sixty five pounds, man. Dude, I, I weighed three hundred starting freshman year of high school. Unbelievable! That's unreal. A ridiculous amount of weight. Yeah, for a child. Yes, that's yeah. what people don't understand. Is like, well, did you have the issue where like you were big, so everyone took you as an adult? Did no, really no, just no, God, like... no. I'm five three now, so <laughs> I was only like four nine. So no, they knew. There's no question. Yeah, no. I guess I had it a little bit different. Like they just were like, "Oh, well, you're big, so you don't, you don't get to worry about the child issues. You just are, you just worry like that. you're an adult." Right, right. You look like yeah. an adult girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And, and start early. And then, yeah. you know, like, I could get facial hair of really course. early, you yeah. know. So, like, yeah, that that shaped a lot of it. But I I hated being big, and I, I – my issue was never working out. Like, that would – if I could work out, that was easy. Yeah, see, that it, was my issue. It was the food. I can't – I couldn't turn it off. I like, and I wanted snack, but I would eat – Probably five k a meal, I'd you know, five k calories. I would eat while I was waiting to eat, while I was looking for something to eat. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're uh, talking you know about. What I mean? Like you're snacking on yeah. something, looking in the pantry. Okay, so you don't just call that part of the meal. Okay, so I guess I did snack okay. too. Odors, <laughs> sorry, odors. <gasps> but big boys not eat well. Yeah. Though. Oh my god, and I feel like I still have that mentality, but my stomach, like mm. I just, I can't eat. Too. Sure. And even too, like, I, yeah, mean, I used to be. My like, asshole can't take it. God, no. <laughs> Just not at all. No, but then too, like, I still got the kind of like that fat guy syndrome where, like, you're. Mm-hmm. I, I go, oh, it's only going to be 30 out. That's still hoodies and shorts weather. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. when you're like. You circulate dude, like a mother trucker. Yeah, you're sweating your ass off constantly. Like, there's just steam <laughs> and sweaty spots, and you got to lift flats and things. <laughs> But anyways, now it's like, I try that and I realize real quick, hey, you're no longer 265. I'm down to like 150, what did I hit? 151. Dude. Yeah. That's like exactly probably where you're supposed to be for your height. Even for my height, I'm overweight. That's what the doctor said. Yeah. But you look healthy. I'm the height of a seven-year-old. That's the problem. (laughs) Do Do you think about that always or no? I don't know. I, I mean, obviously I do. I've I, never thought about it, but th- my dad's your exact same height. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I've just always been around much taller people. Mm. I don't know. But What's the, I don't know what the average height is. It's probably like 5'10", let's yeah. say. Yeah. 
I'm five four on a good day, you know. Okay. So my mom was four eleven. My dad was about five nine. So there had know. to have been advantages. There's definitely great center of gravity. Okay. Uh, That's fantastic. Couldn't ride a ton of roller coasters, but usually got into wow. places at a cheaper rate. Really? I, I was. They thought I was younger. That's you know? really cool. Yeah. So, and if you're not sporting a beard, you could pull that off. Of course. Yeah. Which I started shaving in seventh grade. Okay. So that ended at about what? What's that? Like twelve? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I well, did yeah, that as too. As a kid, man, my parents would be like, "Nah, he's he's only eight. I was like eleven. Yeah, good perks. But again, like then I couldn't ride the rides because I wasn't tall enough. But mm. just pick your poison, catch twenty two. Right. Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with that because like a lot of people get CT from riding those rides. Yeah. And yeah. I really now have it. So really, yeah. when you, you think were winning, about it, I yeah. You got a very simple so <laughs> You're welcome. Wow. Cool. So let's go back to it. It sounds like you were you were you know shy. And that, I'm actually going to hit this really quick. Do it. High school, where are you wanting to go? Did you want to go to college? Where were no, you heading next? I fucking next? hated high school so much. Uh, I just hated school in general. My freshman and sophomore year, I wasn't bad because I was playing sports, so I had to be. Uh, okay. At school, physically. and actually Tim Tinsworth, by the way, so don't worry. So you were doing sports. What sports were you in? Were you like a triple athlete? Were you a one oh, yeah. athlete? Golf. Um, oh shit! Yeah. So, do you have a mean golf now? Still? No, I'm terrible. No, I haven't played in probably, I don't know, maybe six, eight years, something like that. But could you get back into it if you did? I think so. I think. Could you teach muscle. me to play golf? I will teach you right now. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, dude, yeah, if these mics sure. were mobile, we yeah. could go that yeah, go that yeah, hard. Dude, Top Golf would be fun. Uh, sponsorship. Um. Anyways, but um, what was your question? Sorry, I just hit that. High school. High school. Yeah, so like yeah, where no, did where were you where were you at? What yeah. were you doing passions wise? Yeah. And where did you think you wanted to go? Did you want to go to college at that point? What was your what was your life trajectory? Yeah. So like like I was saying, like in general I absolutely hated high school from like the academic side of things. I just wasn't interested. Maybe I wasn't challenged or at the same time I wasn't uh, you know, investing the time that I should have been. Sure. There's I'm, nothing wrong with that. Most kids most men can't yeah. sit still, and no. the school system is not built to no. invest in them. No. no, And so, I, but, you know, from that social level, I think that's where it really started kind of coming out of my shell and, and cool. developing my friendships and, and things like that. Um, did you go to prom and such? Yeah. But With the, girls? Did you ask girls? I asked girls, but did I friend zone immediately? Uh, I don't know if it, I, I don't know. You would friend zone them or they would friend no, zone No, me. I mean, 100%. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I'd say that one thing, or like, I was the weirdo who'd be like, I made you a playlist of like, 12 <laughs> songs I thought you liked. You know, like, <laughs> I would do that. And then, like, immediately they'd be like, oh man, you're like my best friend. Guy friend that yes. I have who's just a friend. Wow. Yeah. Why Why so did we have cool. the exact same fucking tactic? No idea. Really, <laughs> it didn't work. So I get what you're saying. Like, you would understand how to, um, like, pick up things they would do, or you would understand them, and you would try and in- emotionally invest in a way that would maybe be received well, but would be sort of like, oh, that's really endearing. Now I'm, you're my buddy. I'm an empath. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm an empath. What is your birthday month? Uh, I'm an Aquarius. January 20th. You're in a freaking yeah. Aquarius. Are Aquarius empaths tend to be? I don't know. I hear people talking about 
about that kind of stuff. Well, do you the know stones. that? What stones am I supposed to like in things? Let's look this I don't up. know. We have all the crystals oh, yeah, here. Yeah. We should have you hold your crystal and see if you feel some energy. Let me see. <laughs> he grabs nut. <laughs> All right, that's your seed, not your crystal, but <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I yeah, I think uh, obviously I'm exaggerating a little bit. Like, sure. I think I go in squats. Really? Um, I probably. Cool. Um, but no, I don't know. I think I was. That sound really cheesy, but like I think I wasn't. I wasn't the asshole guy, like. Right. I would listen when they were talking. I would maybe compliment them instead of, you know, put them down or something. And then, yes, but yes. that would throw me right in that friend zone. Right. And, you know, because I wasn't, I wasn't the aggressive jerk making comments and, you know, playing games and, and all that stuff. So, sure. Yeah. I saw you didn't have as, time for that. I saw it as uh, very very much is what the Neanderthals did, so I figured I possessed more than putting women down. So yeah, I, I just kind of friend zoned real quick. But to your question, yeah, I'd still ask girls to, to prom and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And would they dance with the other guys? Sure. But I got the picture with them. So Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, I had but yeah, that's where I really came out of my, my shell. And I had a really big group of friends mm -hmm. and um you know, then after high school, it was two two kind of split high schools for me. Freshman, sophomore year, had to do well because of school. Sports and stuff like that. I played baseball as well. Um, junior, senior year, I stopped playing sports and I really got back into like smoking weed and drinking and stuff like that. Mm. And it got to the point where it was like, hey, you need to come to school. Mm. Hey, you may need to do a semester of summer school so you can finish high school. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, your grade point average right now it's one point eight. What do you think up. drew you to those to um to those habits or to those tendencies that the human can be drawn to? Truly, I think it was as I got older, I saw that a lot of it was bullshit. Yeah. And that there was no reason to. There was no reason to invest that much effort into that when mm -hmm. I felt I could maybe help in other areas and as I just got older again maybe it was to my parents seeing them struggle time after time after time working hard to to better themselves and not seeing any results that for me I was like what's the fucking point I'm not gonna see anything I'm not gonna see any results I'm not gonna go anywhere same life for me you know what I mean wow. so I think my mindset changed from Okay, you know I'm gonna do well because I have to. To now, it's well, fuck. You know you're not playing sports anymore. Look at your grade point average. You got no chance at college. Um, you were feeling you, defeated. Might, yeah, might as well just enjoy yourself. You know, I yeah. never felt, never felt I had like that one teacher who inspired me. Never felt, mm. you know, that, um, you know, I had that one maybe family member or whatever. Just that one person who really like inspired me to do something. It was just kind of like. All right, well, I'd rather go smoke a joint with this person than go sit in that class. Or, sure. oh, you guys are going day drinking today? Cool, let's go do that at the zoo instead of sit in history class. Like, you know, I just didn't, <laughs> at that time, I didn't see the point. Sure. Um, 
So obviously, right after high school, no thought of college. Just yeah. So what did you go do next? Give the farthest away from any type of schooling that you possibly can. Did you move out or what? No, did you no, do? no, no. No, stayed at home. Just worked. Uh, you know, this job here, that that job there, and uh, decided. You know, all right. I'm uh, I'm seeing my friends kind of going a little faster forward than I am. Might want to look into something here. You know, so. I mean, I wanted to be everything from an electrician to this to that. I was going to join the military and was going to, mm. yeah. And uh, finally just said, you know what, I'm going to go back and at least get my at least get my associates. And kind of from there, then I can decide what I want to do, you know. So I uh, went back, got my associates. Um, so I graduated high school with a 1.8. I did nice. have to go back a semester after my senior year to complete photography so that I could have enough credits to finish high school. True story. That's fantastic. Yeah. Then um, I graduated, I got my associates with a 4.0, uh, mm. high honor, uh, all that good shit. Nice. I just took a few years off from that high school to to actually going to college of working those little jobs here and there and, and struggling and seeing it going, okay, maybe they're, they're, get something here. Mm-hmm. So I got my associates. Shortly after that, my mom uh, became ill with cancer, and something went off in me that I knew I wanted to help people. I didn't have that level of confidence of, I think I can become a doctor, because I never really felt that encouragement, and I think looking at my my high school and stuff like that, I was like, oh, you're not, there's no chance, you know? Mm. But I wanted to help in some area. I knew I wanted to help people, Seeing the people who cared for my mom inspired me to want to then help people. And uh, so I went through the whole process of becoming a firefighter paramedic. I went through, did my EMT, I put myself through paramedic school. Um, what age is this at? So this was at 22-ish. 22-ish. Yeah. So this is right about when you said yeah. that you started twenty-one ish Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so got my medic. And went ahead and I got hired uh, by a fire department, went through the fire academy, put in time, total uh, about 13 years in EMS. And, Holy cow. And um, that, I mean, has put me in so many situations of, you know, I hate to say it, but so many unfortunate situations for others mm-hmm. that has allowed me to appreciate what I do have. You know, um, I mean, I've seen I've seen things that most people only imagine or see in movies or whatever that is. Um, what were you EMSing for? I'm like sorry. What what, what areas during yeah, your so 13 I was, years? Yeah, so I was uh, I, I was a medic for a private ambulance company, and uh-huh. then I was a firefighter in uh, in the western suburbs of uh, Illinois. So um, I. I, I've been in some, some situations, you know, but again, it has shaped that perspective for me that, you know, no matter what occurs, I, I kind of have this Rolodex in my head that I can mm-hmm. go, it ain't as bad as that. Right. You know, it yeah. isn't as, it isn't as bad. You have or a it's baseline not for your yeah, level of appreciation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think that culmination of, um, you know, my upbringing, but also, you know, being in those 
very unique situations that not many people have been in where, you know, someone's life's actually in your hands. Yeah. And you bring them back and you're like, holy cow, like, whoa. And then you think, not just that person, but that person's family and their friends. And, and it starts to kind of make you go, wow. You know, wow. What I was, what I was doing was, was, was making a difference to people, you know. So I when you first started EMSing, yeah. what did that feel EMSing, like? I like that. Yeah. It's not an actual word, but we'll go with it. Yeah. EMS. Uh, when you first started becoming an emergency responder. Yes. How did, how, how was, how was that like culture shock? Like, what did that feel like? Yeah. So when it was like real, real, when I no longer had my proctor, when I was doing my ride time and stuff like that. Yes. Uh, it was, it was scary at first. Not going to lie. It's children calls with children. They call it the pucker factor. Butthole just, yeah. Cause it's real. Kid. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, cardiac arrest at two in the morning, car accidents, things like that. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was going, wow. but that was the issue is that it got to a point where each day I'm going into my shift and I'm worried. Is something happening? Exactly. And in the back of my head, I'm going, those tones could go off now or now or now or now. Or even now. Whoa, now we're getting right into now, the psychology of yeah, being a first responder. Absolutely. So yeah. is there some like PTSD or any residual experiences I from this? hundred percent think so. Yeah, hundred percent. I think so. Yeah. I, I have multiple. you ever had times at home or at night you you just are like sure. waiting or you think it goes off sure. in your head? I've heard sounds in stores that remind me of the tones and my my uh, autonomic nervous system just heart rate's Holy going that fight or flight. I'll hear a sound that reminds me, you know. But two, I, I think it's multiple things. Just you know, from the things I've seen to the sounds I've heard. Um, what could the, you describe some of these things? Yeah. So, like for example, with the fire department, I mean, a call can again can come in at any time. You're there for 24 hours. You're off for 48. There for 24. Off for 48. So how does that? Do you sleep there? You sleep. Okay. Yeah, yep. There's uh, you got a bed. There's recliners. So you work it's, it's for twenty four hours yeah, straight. Yeah. So it, tr it truly is a, a firehouse. Yeah. Yeah. So you have all your amenities: kitchen, living room, all that good stuff. But are the meals fire? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we cook ourselves. Uh, <laughs> I see what you did there with the fire. <laughs> and, I mean, yeah, but, no, no, you're good. That was good. Um, and uh, now you still me off. See, and I'm high like this, bro. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, it's like the one track mind you. Yeah. Uh no, but uh yeah, like for another example of like something that really has stuck with me. I don't wake up. Like it doesn't take me time to wake up. I'm either sleeping or I'm awake. And I think that's from that conditioning from the fire service of there'd be again having to be there for that 24 hours. We go to sleep at night. And if there's a call, there's Those a call. Go off, man. You got to be up. You got to be. In How your quick gear. were you? Minute and a half. Time so it. you have to be in your gear, in your rig, radioing to dispatch. We're on our way within a minute and a half. Yeah, that's from sleeping to. Holy yeah. shit! Yeah. So what does that do to the body, man? I'll How does you, that feel? I'll tell you. To this day. I don't, I don't gradually wake up. The moment my eyes open, my feet are on the ground and I'm out of the bed. 
and I'm awake and ready to go. Do you think the military people have that too? I would, I, you know, I, I don't want to speak for them, but I would imagine there's some sort of cadence, re- cadence, routine, something that, yeah, is going to get them going in the morning. But for me, just the years of always in the back of my mind, those tones could go off at any time. And if they do, your ass better be awake. And if you're awake, your ass better be in your gear. And if you're in your gear, your ass better be... Does that spike adrenaline? 100%. So it's almost... It probably has some of the gambler's effect where there's a serotonin rush and a dopamine high and then a fall. There's a crash. But then the crash, if it was serious, let's say there was like a a double DUI car crash with deaths galore, you have to go home and you're decompressing, but you're also decompressing seeing souls leave this earth. Exactly. And then you're supposed to function. Were you, for, are you religious? Uh, not anymore. Mm. Yeah. Did you, were you when you were, when you were working there? No, 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 no. So my what, mom was a lot. What would you, what would you, like, what was your experience? Do you think you ever had connections with souls when they were bodies there or anything? Like, did you ever think you could, you saw, was there any miracles by chance that you could have seen nothing, occur? Nothing miracles. Um, I mean, there is that feeling. I've, I've heard people describe, um, you know, at a, maybe at a wake or a funeral where it's just like kind of that shell of a person. It doesn't seem like them. Yes, they're laying in the casket, but you look and you're like, that's not them you know yeah um certain well-being calls where we you know arrive at a home uh, maybe someone hadn't been heard of uh heard from for a couple days or something like that we'd find them in their home wow. um, you would kind of s- sense it you'd feel that um emptiness but for me it wasn't you know their soul is gone it wasn't anything miraculous it was just this just this feels off. It feels different. And do you have to sort of become like numb in the moment because you're doing a duty? Yeah. Yeah, it has to be job first. You have to be on the phone with the medical director in the ER going, Yeah, we have the electrodes on them. I see no I see no rhythm. I see nothing, you know, no shot no signs of life. We have signs of this, blah 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 blah. And that doctor has to call it. Uh, you know, so you're focused in on that. You don't have time in the moment to realize mm. what's So, talk, yeah, talk to me more through this process. So, you, I didn't realize that. You have to, to pronounce a body dead, you must call another doctor? So, exactly. The doctor must, is the only, the ER doctor, our medical director. So, each department works for... And you have a direct line to that person. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, that each department sense. works under a certain uh, standard operating procedures from a hospital. So, um, what was yours... The hospital that you guys were connected to. Western suburbs. I'd okay. like to leave it at that. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so anyways, we would we would call that doctor directly. That doctor, we would give, again, any, usually there weren't vitals if they're dead. Um, right. But uh, we would have to put the electrodes on to see that there was no electro, electrical activity of the heart. And um, if there is, you could potentially revive them? You could, Is that yeah, the theory yeah, there? Yeah, absolutely. So if you could, yeah, absolutely. If there is electrical activity, you could shock them. You could, um, yeah. So it was, it was it was a lot, man. There's there's a side to the fire department, um, which I, I loved my time. I absolutely loved my time in the fire department. But there is a side to the fire department that you don't know about until you get into it. 
and you can't know about until you actually get into it. Staring at shit. <sighs> All right. And we're Ooh. back. Let's jump back into it. All right. Uh, we left off with the firefighter stuff. Yeah. So I think we were talking about that, like, dark side. Yes. That I was t- dark side. Something, something, dark side. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it was just over time. I'm hearing kind of some reverb in my ear. Yeah, the much better. Okay. Um, it sounded cool though when I said something, something dark side. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, it, I know I sh- hey, anyone out there listening, I'm very, very, very interested in doing voiceover work. Um, so yeah, fire department, dark side, here we go. Yeah. No, it was just there are things that you you don't know how you're going to react like anything. You don't know how you're going to react until it occurs, like it happens. So you can read in a book, hey, when you you roll up on a rollover car accident and you have, uh, you know, an ejected uh, victim, okay, I'm reading that. Sure, I can picture that in my head however I want to. Yeah, I could just, but I could picture it however I want to. The thing is, it's not until you're actually surrounded by what's taking place, what you just read in the book, and you're trying to mitigate the situation. You're trying to save a save a life potentially. You're trying to get those people to the hospital, things like that. You don't know how you're going to react until you're actually in that spot, you know. And as time went on, just. I was bringing it home with me more. I was thinking about it more. Second-guessing decisions. I'm going, oh, man, playing it over in my head over and over and over and over. And just as time went on, I got so damn burnt out that each day that I was showing up at the fire department, I'm thinking, again, tones could go off any minute. Now, 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 now. It was more fear, anxiety, worry, just general, that, you know, something was going to occur and maybe I wasn't going to handle it well, or that, you know, this was just going to keep building into something bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, and I saw the way that some, some of the guys chose to, to, to deal with their days off to, to forget about it. And, you know, it was a lot of drinking. It was a lot of Drug use, things like that. Um, Which is a hard life. This sounds extremely similar to the life of someone who deals with the I think, I think for anyone who's who's exposed to traumatic events on a regular basis, you know, whether that is from your occupation, from that's your upbringing, that's your home life right now um you know i think that constant exposure to traumatic events you condition yourself to be ready so you're always on this heightened you know this kind of this heightened alertness of okay i need to be ready that's healthy but it's not sustainable it's definitely not sustainable and that's why i'm maybe not even and that's why, you know, I decided 
it wasn't easy, but that's why I decided that I needed to get a different job. I need to do something different. I just can't continue to be exposed to, I can't continue to volunteer myself to be exposed to those traumatic events because I found over time I wasn't handling them well, you know. I would be curious. I I feel like I could write a good book or someone in your field should write a book about how your same experience you talked about. You got into it for the humility and the hubris of wanting to help individuals. And something that you went in with the intention of it giving you some type of energy because it's going to help you ended up leaving you on the other end of the spectrum completely drained. It's a very visceral... Um, psychological journey to undertake as a career and I think if someone can understand that novel form they might be able to live it a little better man Chad so like you just really you put it in a way that I never thought of consciously I guess in that yeah I, I I've always felt that desire to want to help people but I got into the fire service to to help people and make a difference and by the end of it I was the one who needed help and I needed someone to make a difference for me. You know what I mean? Um, Once I got out, I mean, I had to go see doctors. I had to go through therapy. I had to get on medication. Um, At one point I was on a nice cocktail of nine different medications to keep me. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. I didn't talk about too or mention during that. You had to be sober. Hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. I could not consume cannabis in, um, a in a medicinal fashion. But you know, what let's. Are some of the workplace injuries and or feelings you had? Are there like smoke-based respiratory problems with firefighters? So, like, do you guys have issues from going into smoke all the time? I wouldn't say I have because you know I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend to be uh you know this guy who's been through hundreds and hundreds of fires because the reality of it is you don't catch a ton of fires. Um, But, you know, in those times that we did, there seemed to be the newer generation was ventilators on at all times, even during overhaul, because there's tons of things still flying around in the air, Um, tons of carcinogens, so you want to be ventilated. But we would notice... You know, the the old timers, those guys in their early 50s and stuff, masks off and all that, just going away at it, um, tearing down the walls and stuff like that, but not concerned with it. Um, I think now there's a, a much more conscious effort of, um, you know, safety and, and making sure that firefighters aren't going into hazardous situations without the proper PPE. I mean, that's anyone listening who who's in the medical field knows the first step is you know PPE. Make sure you're protected. Um, and what about body pain? So yeah. Buckling or equipment pain. Yeah, for sure. I mean that equipment is is heavy. All in all, when you have your pack on, you have your gear on. That's about seventy five pounds extra. Your helmet weighs about I think it's like eight pounds, six or eight pounds. So picture that just pressing down on your head and your neck for a long time. Um, Then you're carrying maybe 50 pounds of tools with you. 
for every fire alarm just in case you need to open a hydrant or a standpipe or something like that. Um, over time, yeah, your knees start start giving out, your back, you know, I, I'm going to be 49, but I feel like I'm like 59 or 69, 69 is better, yeah, <laughs> but truly... You know, it's it's it, it took a toll on my body. I think the extra weight gain that I had too, um, when I was on all all of those medications, I ballooned back up. Yeah. That's when I got to my highest of two hundred and sixty five pounds, um, which no, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and then too, it's 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 the lack, the stagnant laughs, la- the stagnant lifestyle, the eating to feel better. The nine pills twice a day. Were you on any uh, like uh, narcotic pain medication? No pain medication. Yeah. It was all mood stabilizers. It was all antidepressants. It was all. So at least you weren't in opioids. No, it was. It was. It was. Yeah, exactly. But I was on benzos too. Right. I was just so a. SSRI based. I was just foggy throughout. I wasn't. I didn't show emotion. I wouldn't react at wonderful things that my daughter would do because that at the time thought this was the best my psychi yeah psychiatrist yeah did you see a therapist i also saw a therapist yeah i i mean i went through three different uh yeah 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 this was also what time this was not as long ago as you would think this no, no, this is only, what are we at, 2022? So this is seven years ago. And they're still recommending that. Oh, no, God, no, I'm off all that shit. Yeah. God, I am off all that shit. I got off all that shit a few years ago. That may be a reason why I'm back down to the weight I should be at. Um, but no, man, I, for when I was on the, all of those medications, going through these therapy programs and stuff like that, like, it was just a fog. Again, the 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 mood stabilizers and things like that, they just don't allow you to show emotion. You're not yourself. You're there, but you're not there. Um, your, your train of thought, I, I didn't feel like myself while I was on those. And I was on those medications for maybe a solid two years. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was terrible. You know, and it sucks because it's like you start with this – you start with this intention, and it doesn't always go the way you think, you know. But throughout, you know, maybe watching, again, my childhood, watching that constant work towards it, work towards it, work towards it. You know, fire department was never lax. It was work towards it, work towards it, work towards it. Medic school was the most difficult schooling I've ever gone through in my life. But it was so rigorous, and it was do it, do it, do it, do it. I've just always tried to, you know, overcome these challenges. Um, you know, maybe they, too that comes in from when I was bullied as a kid of yeah, like, exactly. I'll show you, you know, I'll, I'll I'll show you, I'll show you quietly, right? I won't brag about it, but I'll show you quietly just by doing it, you know. Um, but yeah, so I managed after different therapy programs. I say. All of this with pride, wanting to wanting to kill myself three different times just because my brain was all over the place. Um, yeah, 
that I was able to come off all of those medications. I consume with can I, I medicate with cannabis only. Hundred percent. Yes, a hundred percent. And it wasn't until I was able to go back to smoking cannabis that I felt like myself again. Yes. Like my interests, my emotions to things, my sense of humor, everything. Intuition. Everything. Everything. It's it's unbelievable the stigma out there of you know oh, just haziness and fog you know he's slow because he's high and all that. I can tell you right now I think I am at my pinnacle when I'm medicating, mm-hmm. my absolute pinnacle. Mm-hmm. I would say that's us and a lot of the other people. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. It's, it's always been that way. It's always been that way, but it's had to be closeted. Exactly. Now we're at a period in which it can be open. And it can be expressed to a point in which it can benefit more people even further. Exactly. Micro terpene conversation. Exactly. You know, and it's just, I think it's just important for people to know that, you know, if you are someone who's on a bunch of medication, you got a doctor telling you, like, oh, this is it. This is your option. It's not. You know, and I'm a I'm an example, and I'm happy to talk to you because yeah. the, there are other routes to to better your life, to to manage your symptoms, but still be yourself and not be numbed by all this synthetic you know medication that's just made in a laboratory. You're a hundred percent accurate, and it's like, you know, it's it's it comes down and boils down to the simple understanding using logic, right? There's more than one, more than one right way to look at a subject and so when we start to think about that in the medical world there's an eastern and a western perspective the eastern perspective quite often tends to focus on health food groups microbiomes dietary based things and it's all proactive based whereas western medicine tends to be more pharmaceutical synthetic based and reactive based absolutely you live your life and then once it happens well then we'll come intervene and it's like that just even that alone, knowing that there could be two schools of medicine, you should never just take one one doctor or one perspective. I came from the generation where every celebrity had a milk mustache. <laughs> got it was the got milk campaign. Yes. And now everyone is drinking oh, everyone is drinking every type of milk but milk. Yes. So it's I like lactate free milk in my fridge right now. So have I like fucked my body over for the like because of that ten years that I was drinking milk because Jennifer Aniston had a milk mustache and I was like oh, I don't know I should drink milk. Now I fucked myself because I drank the milk for the ten years because now everyone. It's like that's the new. Bro- it's the Brando. That's what it is. You were alive for it. The battle between the sugar and the fat industry. Oh my god. And the sugar industry. Won. Yeah. They took it to the goddamn court. I know. And then it was all propagated. Yeah. It's like the Brando, seriously. It's it's for like the drink from Idiocracy. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. There's so much shit that's Brando out there right now. If anybody's seen uh, uh, Idiocracy, you know Brando. It's a fantastic movie. Yeah. And we were saying that we might be living through oh, fuck. some type of society in which that's playing out. We're getting. We're. I mean, we're not not heading in that direction. We're not heading in the opposite direction. Crocs are popular again. Think of that. Right. People are wearing Crocs. Well, things see, they shouldn't be for leisure. I have this. I have this interpretation that people, people want 
people want nostalgia, but they want nostalgia for things that only happened about 10 years ago. That's not old. That's not long ago. No, so no. It's just like this weird cyclical pattern. It is. I think there's just too much. Like, so in the movie, the, the, this Brando is this like drink that everyone drinks. It's like this uh, sports drink. But two, what's strange about it is like half the half the country works for the company that makes it. So it's like, yeah, nowadays it's like fucking Amazon's the Brando or yes. Instagram, yes. Facebook, all the social media is the Brando. People are consuming it. Everyone's a part of it. But nobody knows what the fuck it is and what's going on and stuff. There's just all the herd is just following along. I'm guilty of it all too. I use Amazon. I use Instagram. I use all that shit yeah, too. I'm yeah, just as guilty. Open, yeah, of course. I'm not shitting on anybody. I'm just as shitty. They're really good. Ex- they're really good services. They're really effective. They are. However, they have their downsides. Of course. It's this book, The Experience Economy. Have you read that? I have not. Okay, it talks about the principle of our attention. And experiences are so much of what takes up the marketplace space nowadays that it has both a power and an ability from a marketer's perspective to be manipulated. And from the consumer's perspective, it has pleasures, but it's also destructive, too. At Walmart, the COVID testing sign is sponsored by Pepsi. private business supporting other entities and backing the government sector and all of them supporting initiatives because I believe public health is a personal decision. Mm -hmm. Not that there shouldn't be vaccines and there shouldn't be initiatives to get people to do them, but I don't think that that's something that should be like, I don't like seeing my companies get involved in initiatives, whether they're um, social equity initiatives or they're, financial initiatives or anything. I like the company to just work on doing what they do. Sweden. Just stay Sweden. Do your thing. Neutral. Do it. And so that's been something, like, even, too, when you saw, like, Joe Rogan talked about it, too. Who? With Joe Rogan. Uh, Never heard of him. No, I'm just kidding. He's just this little dude. Yeah. What, little bald dude? Go on. No, 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 no. Go on. Little bald dude. Yeah. He's jacked. I know. That's that's where it stops. (laughs) Bald dude, me and Joe, that's it. But he talked about, too, uh, what was it? That one late-night TV show. It was sponsored by, they had a dance segment by sponsored by Pfizer. Yeah, yeah. What is that? So what is this collusion? The copper, that Copperfit bullshit for the arm braces, knee braces, things like that, uh, they're selling masks. Yeah. yeah. $20, $30 for a fucking mask. Yeah. Capitalizing I mean, on all, it. Even all these COVID clinics. Ugh. People are literally just signing up, buying tests, and then getting the government. But the government, it's supplementing all the money. Mm-hmm. You go. It's all grants, yeah. And it's grants supplemented. Yep. And so what they're doing is they're buying these cheap ass tests and then taking the rest of that money and running away with mm-hmm. it. That and uh, don't even get me started. I hate when we propagate. I haven't. Money to the so I haven't gotten you started on anything. You're starting yourself. I'm, starting I'm just letting you know. Oh, I know, because these all tie together. It's like it's true. Like I don't, I don't think that. I think if the I think if Pfizer wanted to do their vaccines, they shouldn't have had 
the government pay for all of it and to be implementing and to be mixing together because I don't think the government should be who we're giving the money to to decide where the bill should be done. I I am very, very, very uh, what what you would call like progressive in the actual sense in the idea that I believe that the independency of the individual in the market. You're a logical thinker. Yeah. It's well, it's I wouldn't even go that far because then that's like I'm just I'm curious to see what if we let these real things happen, what could happen. I yeah, but I don't at the same time. Or at least want to be in a safe place. Yeah. Sweden. Let's go to Sweden and watch. We'll just go to Sweden yeah. well, and I watch. Actually, I really liked what Sweden went did for you know what they did for COVID? No. They had no masks, everyone lived their life and they they went for herd immunity mm-hmm. with antibody things. Yeah. They offered a vaccine and then they said everyone live your life. Mm-hmm. And they got the herd immunity first. Like almost twelve hundred and nine. Well And that was like the most that was the most like best opportunity, right? Here's we understand there's endangered communities. Here's something that we can implement to help because now we know, especially in our current society, there's breakthrough cases. And what is it? It's about almost every person who has a vaccine gets a breakthrough case. But now. they can't say Mer they can't say America. Yes. That's the difference. That's the thing too, is I don't like the propagated agenda of we must hate America because America is the issue. I know. Specifically, agendas and individuals have corrupted exactly the concepts that founded exactly, exactly. You, I mean, pff, fucking internet ruined everything. Literally, social media is just fucking up. Well, what what do you think about Joe Rogan leaving Twitter? I don't. He, I, so guess what? This the, he had a doctor. Okay, fill me in because I'm. I don't know. I don't even know what's going on. I do know Joe Rogan. I know who he is, okay. believe me. I just don't follow him he's as much as... I know his biggest podcast, all that shit. I know. I know who he is. UFC and all that good stuff. I know who he is. I just okay. maybe don't follow him closely. Wait. What was his name? Jeff Rogan? Yeah, Jeff Rogan. Got it. Gotcha. Jeff Rogan. CNN, right, for example, 1.5 million hits a day. Sure. Joe Rogan? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, I, like, alternative media is just shifting. Yeah. But fill me in on what happened with Twitter, because I don't know what took place. Yes. So, he recently had on Dr. Malone, and Dr. Malone is the man in 1989 who discovered mRNA duplication, and the man who created it. He went on Joe's podcast, and he's also, he's uh, testified to the Senate, and he is a practicing doctor in Texas, and has openly come out and talked about, you know, you know, it's some of the more um, tricky or controversial parts of mRNA duplication and what's specifically going on with this whole conversation around this COVID-19 and SARS use of the mRNA vaccine. And he got banned off Twitter for that. And he got banned off his YouTube platform. And he got banned off all these mainstream networks, which is fucked because if you care about science, what you care about is truth-seeking, so you have to listen to all scientists. No matter what opinion they might have, we must listen to it because if we don't go follow a path, we won't know that the truth that we are seeking is the actual truth and we'll be blinded by the ego of following one truth. And so he got banned from all that, and Joe Rogan said, I'm fucking done, I'm leaving Twitter. Good. Yeah. Good. One one thing for me that that I, I, I... and blessed with, well, I'm not going to say blessed, not religious, um, but lucky enough to have gotten from the from the um, 
from my medic training is um, being able to collect as much, be encouraged to collect as much data as you can, sort through it, use your training and your logic, your common sense, to then formulate what is occurring, mm -hmm. take the information that maybe isn't pertinent to the situation, remove it, mm -hmm. and now you're left with what's actually important and the task at hand. Um, I was lucky enough to have kind of been trained to think that way. It seems that you, you have that same kind of thought too, that we need to collect as much information as we can before reacting, 100%. and and because we need to listen again, we need to listen. People come from all different cultures, all different backgrounds. They have all different just opinions and ideas and thought. Everything. And that's the thing that scares me about social media that you you you're so poignantly hitting is people are afraid to have a dialogue and a conversation because you we have two options. You're either right. Or you, you're the, other thing. you're the other thing. That's it. And Those are the only the two options. Thing, you're the, the people who are right don't want to listen. Mm -hmm. And we're not saying right as in a party. We're just saying people who think they're correct. They're the people absolute, who think they're correct. Yes. The yeah, uh, exactly. And I think that's why so many people, I mean, people who are, who are you know celebrities, I'm sure there's a lot of things they want to say. And now it's like, if I open my mouth, I'm never going to be heard from again. You know, Cancel there's people. One of the most toxic yeah, people, toxic people, things. people now trying to maybe share a thought, share an idea, share just, you know, whatever it is, contribute something. And if they're not right, I'm doing the air quotes. If they're not right uh, or correct, then they're shit on for the rest of their lives. They they don't even get that chance to be heard because they're immediately shut up and, and told they're wrong and. Yeah, then they, they, they deal with the repercussions of social media. And I have a very controversial perspective on this specific conversation point because I believe... Wait, what were we just talking about there? Uh, I believe that... Oh, shoot, where was I going with this? So we were talking being right or wrong. You're oh, either yes. right or the other. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Social sorry. media, being so toxic... Yes, there's something about social, oh, social media, uh, there was something about it propagating a psychological development tool, and I forgot the tool. Damn, if it oh. comes back to me, I'll, I'll say Yeah, it. okay. There's a controversial opinion on it, only to the fact that it's basically like dwindling our ability for open perspective. Yeah, I mean, when you th think about it, it's trying to train the generation that we're right, we're wrong, we're split, we're divided constantly. There's two it. options, this, the red pill or the blue pill. This was it. This was it. The reason that cancel culture is so easily accepted into the society nowadays psychologically is because that was the same tools that were propagated inside the school system. You are taught that if you aren't perfect and you don't do it right, it's not successful, which is not how an entrepreneurial DNA is generated. And there's one way to learn. Fail. Failure cre breeds innovation and growth yeah. more than uh, perfection exactly. or seeking perfection. And, and because the school system propagates this idea that you need to be seeking perfection and that if you don't do that, 
that you're bad and you start to feel bad, like you're in a timeout or punished, yeah. your brain starts to think that that's okay. And so then you can propagate something like cancel culture and think that that's okay. Absolutely. And with the, with the education thing, it's, I'm there's no, yeah, dude, I am too. I'm glad that I'm responsible for reminding you. Yes. Yes. But with the school system, like they want to teach you that there's one way to learn. And if you maybe don't learn that way, yes. you're not successful. Your grades go down, and you're told, hey, that's wrong. That's bad. Because you don't learn the one way that we're teaching you. And if you don't agree with the one way, you're wrong. Social media, if you don't agree with the one thought, you're wrong. Yeah, that's exactly the point I made. Yeah. Yep, that's beautiful. Hell yeah. I'm so happy we got around to that. And another keynote on that, the education system is not built how the Greek or the Roman philosophers during the greatest Enlightenment era ever had their education system built up. They met in a common quarter and used Socratic discussion to liberate conscious new thought. And then they would take their thought there and go home in private quarters and run studies and tests and bring the studies and tests back to the group to discuss in a, in a Socratic fashion, which that talking, standing, being on your feet and being very active for a male with ADHD works extremely more effectively than when you're sitting them in a chair and trying to get them to be proper and stuck on a rudimentary stillness. With a monotone professor. Yes. Yeah. Not yet. Could not agree with that anymore. I, I just couldn't. I couldn't. And I think that's why I fucking, I think that's why I hated school so much, mm -hmm. you know, because again, as, as I got older, it was more of this like getting defensive and then being told like, maybe you don't, you know, your grades aren't good because you're not learning the one way we're teaching you. So I lost interest, and you know, you left and what did you find? You found ways to use your, like when I could, learn. when I could choose what I wanted to learn and the pace I wanted to learn and you how I want to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. go figure. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. Yes, you know, but That's the beauty of yeah, it. but we're back on this with the social media thing of the right or wrong, the repercussions, the you know, I I've been on Facebook shit for three over three years, That's have not been on no fucking interest, no interest whatsoever, none. Yeah. And I've been off all social media. If you went on my phone right now, yeah. here, I'll show you my, this is my social media bin. Yeah. None. 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 I don't see shit. No. Dude, I, I've, I'm off all Good. Of I'm, and that, I thought of it, I, at first I was worried. I was like, oh, how am I gonna, how am I gonna propagate my podcast? And I was like, no, now it's a new challenge. Yeah. I want to try and use some of the skills I got at college. I want, I took a public relations course. Yeah. I'm using public relations. I'm going to try and use newspaper leads i'm trying to get more some digital marketing yeah. e-newsletter leads expanding my ability to communicate in a different fashion why because i'm limiting myself from a toxic ass environment i just do instagram for my cannabis page and show my weed pics that's it which is fantastic that's it and even, even i don't share my personal life i don't share how i'm feeling or any of that because i don't want to be canceled before i'm ever well you I can't get canceled because I've never been yeah, you're not started. That's the thing, too. Is like so. cancel culture then but I just don't give a fuck about this shit. I just want people to be happy. You know how people feel about cancel culture? Is now they all have this, like, 
hidden worry. That's how people felt during the Cold War. Yeah. And they were chasing their neighbors for fucking hundred percent. Yeah. Like that's like it's so interesting how it's witch hunting. Life is. Yeah. Yep. Social media is like witch hunting. It is. Who's who? Yeah. Do you know this and let's let's attack them. About uh, Salem and the witch trials. Mm-mm. Um, Maybe I don't know. You haven't said it yet. Yeah. They, yeah. The the frost came early, and so all the all the wheat and all the yeast turned. Uh-huh. But they stored it all, and we're eating it through the winter. But when it turns like that, it turns into a psychedelic. Nice. So they thought they were seeing fucking, that these ladies were doing weird shit. And they're like, we got to fucking, you you know what? Tie them up and burn them. Let's prosecute them. Oh, oh, Sally ate a fucking loaf of bread and also put some packaged storage stuff away. And yeast blew into her face. Mm -hmm. And then she went for a walk outside to the outhouse. And she saw the neighbor riding a fucking broom. Or what if, what if the perspective is different in that none of the women consumed it? All the men did. And the men consumed it and get, they were tripping balls thinking the ladies were witches and said, tie them all the fuck up and burn their fucking, yeah. Think of that. What if the ladies didn't do a damn thing? What if the men were the ones who were consuming it thinking, hey, these ladies are fucked up. Let's, let's burn them. One one guy in the corner was like, "We'll burn them," and then like, they all were like, "Dude, we should fucking burn them because they're all witches," and then they burned them. I think that's how it went down. I th- I I don't think the ladies did anything Honestly, wrong. It's history, man. So yeah, could have done Could have. I wasn't. Yeah. Have you seen this movie? Uh, don't look up. On no, I keep wanting to though. I need to. Do I need to? I don't need to. I need to. Maybe I could do voiceover work for the I sequel. Have, I have some very nuanced perspectives on the movie. Mm-hmm. At, at large, I really appreciate what they did. Sure. I could tell it was written with that more like left-leaning perspective. Now, if I get the film. gist, the comet's coming. Earth is going to be blown to bits. Yes. Okay. And it's going to it's going to Socratically, not Socratically. It's going to make a satirical mockery gotcha. of every single perspective of person. That, I love it. That's sort of generalized. Yeah. Like the major stereotypes. Oh, and the Karens. Really I wonder how the Karens that. did. Oh, it's, it's so, it's so interesting too with each character, how you see like the perspective of the media and how they're yeah. just propagating their own agenda. Absolutely. And then how they could tell a story to anybody with this and like, the, the, the president is supposed to be... Now, this is a little twisted. We have it's a president? Hillary Clinton in the movie. Okay. It's Hillary Clinton, but she's a Republican. Oh, she's yeah. also Trump. And all the people who are Trump followers or Hillary followers in the movie yeah. don't look at the sky. They don't look at the astronauts. Ah. They only look down. They're not willing to look up. Mm. And the... But the, and the righteous independents of the film are, are the ones willing to look up. Yeah. Which is really like just like more of a mirrored leftist perspective that the single view on it. And, and the whole movie is using the asteroid to project uh, the virus in that. Yeah. And the independents, though, however, in the movie have the perspective that following the science and listening to anything is good. But then the administration is trying to like deny science. And then they're like, our scientists have come in. And you know what? We've analyzed it, and you know we're pretty much going to do. We can dispute facts. There's also the corporatist. There's the corporate authoritarianist, and yeah. it's just like pretty much like uh, making fun of the current CEO of Apple. Um, and and you just see talks, which is so fucking funny. Where 
And oh, you have to watch it. I, I gotta no, it, I gotta watch it now. I want to watch it. It's extremely. I'm extremely gonna. Wa- I'm gonna. Wa- for a lot of people, it's a good way to understand what's actually going on. I'm gonna it's watch. Audi- it's idiocracy for. Like yeah, hell yeah. Hour. Okay. No, it's on Netflix. Yeah. It's only like two hour movie. Okay. I think it's two hours and twenty one minutes. No, it was made in twenty twenty one. That's why I saw that. <laughs> that would be good, right? Yeah. So I wanted to let's go back into after firefighting. Yeah. And after overcoming a lot of the hardship and the battles. Yeah. And, you know, figuring out the mental health. Yeah. Yeah. What I still deal with it. You? Yeah, I still deal with it. I won't say I overcame the mental health. I deal with it every single day. Working on it. Yeah, working every single day. Well, yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, I I became I became a patient and and got my card and started getting back into it. Um, so I smoked weed before the fire department had to stop. Yeah, thirteen, thirteen, man. So I had yeah. So in the neighborhood, obviously there were some kids that were older. Um, there were kids maybe four or five years older. So seventeen, eighteen, they're smoking weed. Um, but for me, it was we smoked out of foilies. We would make a a bowl out of. So bad yeah, for you. That's all we had. That's all we had. That was like ninety six. Yeah, Nineteen ninety six. You were using. I literally smoked what we could get our hands on, and we smoked it out of what we could get our hands on. I mean, dude, I was lit as. F- it was terrible, but I was lit as fuck for like four or five hours. Just lit if out of my mind. Maybe ten. Maybe I mean there was some good. You you could definitely tell the some batches that you'd smoke and it was just a whole nother level. You know where you could actually you actually knew you were smoking something good. But I mean, 13, 14 years old. I'm fucking high as can be for. And is somebody paying ten dollars for a dime bag? Um, I'm just being handed it. Yeah. Yeah, they're just wanting. I think maybe at that time, like the eighteen-year-olds are like, "Hey, it's just funny to get a thirteen-year-old fucking stoned." I don't care how much it costs, just fucking. I mean, it was a hit or two, you know. That's all it took. But um, yeah, so that was that was that. But I smoked throughout high school and all that, and then uh, once I joined the fire department. Hold on. To get both stupider. Yeah. It's a balanced hybrid. It's nice. It it's pretty nice. Uh, okay. So yeah, then I had to uh, I had to stop smoking with the fire department. That was rough. But uh, when I got back at it as a patient, like yeah, it really helped with my symptoms. It helped me um, become a little more, you know, confident with things. It helped me become more productive. It allowed me to get off those medications to. Uh, to actually start looking for other jobs, other things to do, find interests than just taking naps. Um, you know, and I, I looked around. I think once I saw what cannabis was doing for me, I knew I had to have a job within cannabis, within the industry. So I got very selective with um you know, job searching. I wasn't just going, well, any place that's hiring, it was just strictly within the cannabis industry. And I was lucky enough to get hired in uh, like January of 2020. And I've been in the industry ever since. And it's cool because it's allowed it to, 
it's allowed for cannabis to be introduced more into my life. And I think it's allowed me to introduce myself more to cannabis, like the industry, which has been kind of neat. Um, I wouldn't say by any stretch I'm where I'm at. I think right now where the industry is, we, you know, we're, we're at the job that's really the only option right now, you know? Company, same company being, being treated the same way exactly being treated the same exact that's way, it just doing a little bit more labor intensive right. work and in which could leave you with um what is that pain game that i was trying to say Arthritis. yeah yeah and then two it, you know i mean you only have what eight to choose from mm-hmm. it's kind of tough this is a conversation that begins to look deeper into the idea yeah. of the commercial sector is controlled heavily by the money that can and was propagated from other big industries, which started all in California, and then, and well, started somewhat in Colorado slash California, like Kiva had a split, they were more Colorado, and then went to California, mm-hmm. and some of those other guys, like GPI and all that, were in California, and then they propagate and make their way from the West Coast to East. And they make sure that they partner with all the legislation, which again, the is opposite. not actual capitalism. Yeah, the opposite gold rushed. Yes, the opposite gold rush, and they get to work and set high barriers to entry, which if you know anything from a business school, you recognize that the barrier to entry is the biggest thing that you look for. Yeah. You're looking for a next jump into it. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole... They said it so high that you and I couldn't do it. Yeah. We could not. Yeah. You need to have, not only do you need to pay for all the permits and all the licensing, you need to have a year's worth of running capital for your business, which exactly. in the cannabis industry, that's $1.8 <laughs> million to $2.5 million escrowed in a Right. Tomorrow. Most people have that. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know it. I know it. It sucks. So that really sucks. And then to even see things like these same companies in Michigan trying to boycott things like the Medical Provisional Act, which I don't know if you've talked with Mm -hmm. that much, Mm -hmm. you know, where you you really were trying to limit the ability for private mom and pops to cultivate other people's licenses. Limit the caregivers and things like that, yeah. And it's Kiva, it's Wana. It's all of the players. It's it's so... It's so sad to see that it's becoming, you know, just like every other industry in America right now. Absolutely. Which, in my opinion, goes into the bigger conversation of I have, I w- I've been wanting to write a paper about how we're in this facade of capitalism. We say we're in a capitalistic society, but we're actually not. Yeah. Because the government right now is heavily controlling and influencing much of the economic play, and which is creating a division where Walmart and all of that can stay open and can survive um, catacomalismic godlike acts mm-hmm. like a virus or mm-hmm. anything else like that, which this virus I think is <clears throat> not strong in nature, but that's another conversation at another time. But back to the capitalism mm-hmm. thing and this being in a facade, take an industry, for example, like medical care. When was the last time you could take your insurance and look at a menu in a city with three different companies that do the same thing and look at the prices up front, talk to the doctors, see all the stats, and then make the decision for you of which one you're going to go with. No, it's Never. it's which company is stuff in the doctor's pockets, yes. and then they prescribe you that medication. Yes. Yeah, you got one option. That's not, that is not free-flowing capital. Not at all. That not That's, think of it, one thing will work. Yes. There's, there's no one way. Option. There's That's one. Not fair. That's 
not fair. That's no. not how that works. And in the weed market, you set the barrier to entry so high that a mom and pop can't get into it. No. That's not that's not real It's an oligopoly. Com- yeah. Yeah. That's not right. that's not real competition. It's ridiculous. But we stay and these pe- these companies, these leaders will propagate, Oh, capitalism this, capitalism that is a bad thing or a good thing depending on what agenda they're trying to serve it's unfortunate because it seems like the only people so out of tuned with cannabis and like what it what it does for people and the lives are the like eight up in charge who are just worried about the money (laughs) yes that's literally i feel like those are the only people who don't get the industry the ones who are just money hungry who have just completely detached themselves from any type of connection to cannabis or the community itself, they've completely detached to where it's just money hungry. Let me get as much as I can. And you know why it is that way too? I guarantee you, I'm not I'm not in the accounting departments, but I bet you a lot of these companies are debt financing and or the other version of debt financing that is really people don't think about, they're taking on equity from investors or major players that is forcing them to have to be money-driven rather than starting their business and debt-free financing and growing at the scale that is appropriate mm-hmm. for them. And from a patient standpoint, if you're a medical patient, think of this. In two weeks, you're allowed to consume or purchase 70 grams of cannabis if, yeah. if you're a medical patient. That's with a 2% tax already factored in. So if you see $60 for an eighth, it's $60. Mm-hmm. Guess what? In that same two-week stretch... You can purchase 490 grams on the recreational side at a 35% tax rate. So last year when cannabis was deemed So last year when cannabis was deemed essential, you would think that would apply to the medical side, wouldn't you? But since that 2% tax is already factored in, you only get 70 grams for that two weeks. However, on the rec side, we'll replenish your allotment to 35 every day for you, as long as you pay that 35% tax. What the fuck? Oh, think about that. That should piss everybody off. Oh, yeah. And also, too, the collusion of high-up board members of these cannabis companies being in in cahoots with our governor and their families Mm -hmm. and allowing their families to be subsidized as a part of the Mm -hmm. yeah or 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 hearing about some of these stories with you know that one judge holding up the craft girl licenses or some of the equality licenses that were um that were given out that right at the end the silent investors lawyer would come in and go Oh, hey, you didn't read this part of it. We're actually going to keep the license for ourselves. You get nothing. This should be pissing people off because this shit is happening. It's, it literally it is, it is messing with people's agriculture. It's messing with people's livelihood. And mm-hmm. It's messing with people's mental health. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's the culture. Exactly. And it's, it's, driving, it's driving the industry towards it being like anything else. It being like a, a dispensary is soon going to be the equivalent of a liquor store. Yeah. You just that walk in, so walk in, grab what you need, and get out. And like that's a, that's the worst part is is like, it's it is all I'm seeing happening is you see more rec patients rush in the building, and all the medical patients do is they feel left out. Absolutely. Like, I'm just gonna go fucking home. 
mm-hmm. and I'm just going to go back to my substances because I need a space that's calm and I need a space where I can go back and this person could be a living notebook that they are living with my experiences and as I'm picking up weekly, they are adjusting my regimen. Mm-hmm. And I noticed this I noticed this kind of discussion too of you're either rec or you're medical. Like medical no, is... You're all no, it's just everybody. It's everybody. Even if you are coming in purchasing on the recreational side at a 35% tax rate, you are coming in to alleviate something. Okay? Maybe you don't know exactly what. Maybe it chills you out a little bit. Maybe it helps you sleep. Maybe it helps your appetite. Whatever it is, I worked a hard day, yeah, and I want to enjoy the show I'm going to watch. It's something that's improving your life. If you're getting some medical benefit off of it, even though you're shopping recreationally, you're still coming in for a medical purpose, you know, but just this divide again, you're one or the other one takes priority over the other. And it sucks because the medical, the, the medical side is the one that's being left behind because that money comes into play. The all important dollar. It's ridiculous. If I applied and got into one of these marketing departments, I would, I would, like, I would interview with a completely askewed agenda. Like mm-hmm. it would be mostly medical focused and mostly plant agricultural focused, rather than this candy. They do it like the other industries, like weed, like uh, vodka. And mm-hmm. They want yeah. endorsers and they want colorful colors yeah. and they want cool lifestyle photos. And they want brand names. They don't even want you to know the strain that's in it or the terpenes that are used to produce it. Yeah. They just want you to know a brand name and experience. Right. Right. It's, what is that? Shit? I, I, I don't I don't understand it because it's the people who enjoy the industry, the connoisseurs, man, they the, don't do they don't mess with that. Well, the people who enjoy the industry understand that it wasn't created two years ago, like that weed was around before that. Yeah. There's this group of people who think that like cannabis. Was invented like two years ago. Exactly. Like, what the when fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Everyone's home garden had hemp. Yes. Had you know. Hemp. So it's like, what the fuck are these people trying to think cannabis is? You know what I mean? Whereas, you know, the people who've been smoking shit since the '60s. Right. You know what I mean? I guarantee you, they don't give a fuck what the packaging Most looks like. I don't give a shit. From the 60s, they only smoke rev. Yeah. Yeah. Or or air eyes. Yep. 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 But I I hate that we're only selling big, big, big name brands. Yeah. Even that you can't look at. That you can't look at. You better not look at it. Yeah, exactly. Don't look at it. Don't don't look at it. Don't smell it. Don't touch it. Don't taste it. Nothing. Just give us the $60 and then you get to see what it looks like. And if you make a good enough argument, we'll refund the product. What other fucking product would you do that to? Where else would you walk in and they go, so yeah, what you're about to buy, you can't see it, you can't touch it, can't smell it, can't, nothing. Give us the money. There's no refunds. Give us the money. And if you don't like it, you got to make a real strong argument and then we'll go ahead and where the fuck else would you do that? Yet you walk into a dispensary and do it every day. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what this looks like. I'm gonna pick it up. I'm gonna buy it for sixty bucks. Right, and then oh, then we get into like we do a good job of knowing the menus at our at our store, but like 
We have to buy all that shit, mm-hmm. mostly ourselves, mm-hmm. which is another issue when these supposed to be miseducated people. Absolutely. How can we speak on a product if we don't have the money to try it? It's ridiculous. None. None. And most people who are using cannabis to, to medicate and to get them through their days with how expensive it is, you have no extra play around money. You don't have that option. You know, so yeah, it's really, really sad to see. You know, these select few continue to just make absurd amounts of money that they don't even know where it's coming from. They don't even know what to do with it. And we're watching people who truly need the help getting left behind and getting no no support, no nothing. It's it's what the fuck is going on? It's crazy. I just, yeah, personally, it's continuing to want to be a better version of myself. It's wanting to continue to, you know, teach my daughter, um, you know, kindness and, and to think for herself, to know that there's no limitations, you know, it's things like that. It's wanting to mentor, you know, those you know, maybe the, that generation just uh, younger than me, you know, trying to help them uh, maybe not make some of the mistakes that I've made or helping them through maybe some tough times that I've already been through. Like maybe I'm on the other side of it already, you know, that I can help out with. But for me, it's it's just that personally wanting to be a better person. But from, you know, maybe within the industry standpoint, man, I, I don't know. I do. I do know it's not continuing to, to make money for billionaires and and make peanuts doing it you know what i mean um you grow right i do grow i do yeah and you grow pretty good stuff from i i hope so i hope so yeah so i'd love to man i'd love man absolutely once this industry starts blowing up and there's more options than a dispo um you know once once the moms and pops are up and um, you know, more cultivating is going on and stuff like that. I'd love to be a part of it. It's just right now, it's a holding pattern, I think, for a lot of us because there's just not a lot of options. And it's more or less waiting for those options to come around. But the politics keep pushing it back and back and back. Yeah, we're waiting for a lot of things to happen. Like, you know, it's funny. Most people feel, oh, it's an inflationary bubble, but now inflation stopped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. I'll be, curi- I'll be curious to see what happens. And I, I'm pretty sure the Kevin O'Leary was recently saying and projecting that if the Build Back Better deal doesn't happen in the next coming before midterms, it's not going to happen yeah. after midterms. Yeah. There's no, there's no chance. Mm-hmm. It's shot down. And not that I think it's good. I, I actually am not a proponent of it. I don't think that pumping that money and giving that money to the government is going to make sure that that work gets done and gets done. It's a Band-Aid. It's just putting a Band-Aid. Yeah, That's all it is. Exactly. It's not fixing anything. No. It's making you turn your head for for a few months. Just look this way for a few months, guys. Yeah. It ain't that bad. And, like, I mean, you look inside that building and want to get rid of things like the rock wall or whatever. It's like, come on. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. They are getting rid of every perpetual system that the low and middle class have to get to the next level. Exactly. But they're putting that in there so that it doesn't get started. That's the whole, yeah. It's the 
fun fucking games are these oh. few fucking assholes. It's wild that this stuff happens. Yeah. Yeah. What are your um what is your definition of love? How do you define love? Man, I would just say it's passion. It's passion for something. It's it's wanting to be better for something. It's wanting to give what you have all you have the best that you're at whatever it is giving it to that thing that person that that profession that um hobby that you that you have whatever it is i think love is that true passion to to want to learn about to want to experience to want to uh you know just envelop yourself with as much of and for me lately it's been cannabis you know within these last few years 100 percent, it's been cannabis just because of my my personal results from it but to being able to help people out and and really um being lucky enough to kind of have an inside look at the industry and kind of know what's going on and and hopefully be um you know a voice to, to help educate others as to what's up and um you know, get get cannabis back in, in in the in the right direction in the hands of those that it should be in, um, instead of just sixteen hands. <laughs> Literally, very close. Yeah, yeah. But no, that's lo- that's that's love for me, man. Cool. It's just it's it's that passion, passion for something. Mm. Yeah. Cool, I like that. Yeah. What is uh? What is your? Do you think that? So clearly we're the only ones because we're human and we're the best ever. And there's nothing else out there, nothing else out there that could possibly exist that's better than us. Uh, Sure, yeah, I I wholeheartedly think there is. Life forms, I don't know that they're as sophisticated or they could be thousands of times more sophisticated than us. But yeah, I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure I've met a couple down here, actually. Some fucking wackos out there. With all the life experiences you've had, how do you, what's your perception on death, and how do you define getting or contemplating that point in your personal life? No, absolutely no terror whatsoever. No fear of it whatsoever. And it's, it's not the firefighter in me at all. It's having gone through what I've gone through in my personal life. You know, losing my mother, losing my dad in such a short period of time, um, seeing some of the traumatic things I've seen in the fire department, um, dealing with some of the mental health issues I've dealt with, um, you know, essentially, uh, you know, my my family uh, from both sides after my parents died, just essentially throwing me to the side, like things like that. Yeah. But overcoming those types of things, I don't give a shit about death. I don't give a, I don't give a fuck because yeah, you know, and for me too, I think not being a religious person, it makes it easier for me to go, Paul, I'm not afraid. Cause once my eyes close, my heart stops, you know, my brain's not operating. That's it for me. I'm gone. You know? So no, I'm not, I'm not worried, man. I feel, I feel like I've been through, I think I've been through enough in life already in such a short period of time that, no, I, I feel like I've been through some hell already. Yeah. I like yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's really cool. What is 
Blue. Oh, I thought you were going to say color. Sorry. Yeah. At the, towards the end of the yeah. podcast, and that is, if you had one piece of wisdom to leave for anyone who hears this, whether they're old or they're young, or if they're in a midlife crisis or they're doing really good in life, what is one piece of wisdom that you would want someone to hear? I think don't apologize if you're not doing something wrong. We're in a society where too often we're made to apologize to make others feel better about themselves. We're put in positions to apologize to maybe assert dominance in a room, change the balance of dominance in a room, things like that. I find too many times people are apologizing for things that they shouldn't be apologizing for. So I, I always stress, apologize only if you're doing something wrong. Don't apologize just because somebody wants you to apologize. You know, feel it. Don't walk around constantly going, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Because then you get into this negative mindset that you're doing something wrong. No, if you're not doing something wrong, don't apologize. I like that. Yeah. That's a great one. Thank you. trying to think I think we ended good with cannabis I don't know what else do you want to know you ask away man if you got anything I'm feeling good I am too I like this because I like we could even save room for another one I like doing these bring back episodes I'd love that dang well I wanted to say thank you for being on the episode 100% thank you for having me No, I, I just thank you so much for having me. I'm glad that we finally got to have this talk. I know you and I keep saying, you know, hopefully this is one of many, but uh, yeah, I uh, I enjoy it and just, uh, yeah, just keep smoking grass, man. Oh, yeah. Keep smoking grass. Enjoy life, folks. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Humans of Perspective. We'll see you later. Peace.